of the World, Episode 3, Hitchhiking. Meet Johnny Paxwell, 54, brusque, blonde hair, red beard. He slips into our narrative for just a moment and vanishes just as quickly. His story is long and sad. He could use some help, but we have no time for such meanderings here. Jen will meet him too briefly for us to invest much in the lonely soul. Rather, our person of interest on this humid evening is Dolores Burden. She's only 34, yet her body betrays her. She'd be lucky to pass for 45 at a bar. Her dirty hair is thinning at the most visible spots while sideburns somehow keep creeping further down her jawline. Her compulsive eating of late is serving her no favor as well. Two years ago, she would have been considered moderately underweight, particularly for a truck driver. But now she's hefty, even for someone who spends all the hours of the day sitting, shifting gears. Dolores, or Doll as she prefers to go by, tends to be oft-putting because she has a hard time finishing sentences. She's often interrupted midstream due to the impatience of her audience. Becoming aware of this personal problem, Doll Burden's taken to speaking very rapidly so as to not allow for gaps in her monologues. This never works. Inevitably, she stumbles over her own sentences or parades faster with her tongue than her brain can go. It's annoying, even to her. Overall, we need only to know this. Doll is growing tired. Not physically so, but the deep tiredness that comes from deep inside. Soul tiredness, some would say. She's vaguely aware of this cancer of internal wariness. She's doing all she can to keep her internal fire alive. She's looking for a way to escape from it. She's trying to trick it into a death trap. She's desperate to live again, to enjoy life, to be filled, to have meaning. Jennifer Dash, belly and head full in equal measure, thought walking a perfectly delightful event to come after such a fulfilling meal. She strolled down the road, pondering leviathans and then many myths the world had to offer her. She calmly admired the trees growing wild, with adventurous limbs twisting and turning this way and that, each limb offering a possible story, a possible answer to another yet unknown mystery. Jennifer Dash was in philosophical Valhalla. But the sun was drifting underneath the horizon, Bird songs were giving way to the nocturnal chants of frogs. The fading of the light brought with it a washing realization to Jen. She had nowhere to sleep tonight. She had no change of clothes. She had no more money to exchange for goods and services. Why did she feel the need to tip the boy for the fast food? That sure was short-sighted. Jennifer had a plan, but it was a distant, generalized plan. It gave no priority to the needs of the present tense. She was headed for the sea, perhaps the Pacific. Or the Atlantic. Jen wasn't too sure about which ocean called her name. Some rogue wave called for her. That's all that mattered. Except for tonight. Tonight mattered. She was nowhere near the sea. Leviathan was not to be hunted tonight. Surely you're street smart enough to solve this riddle, old girl, Jen thought to herself. You're in a tight spot, but you'll find a way out. A thumb. Ha. Jen had seen it used in some distant movie or TV show. Hitchhiking. That's the ticket. Jem's thumb poked out. She smiled and, for good measure, childishly waved with her non-thumb-bearing hand at the passers-by who chose not to pick up the young lady. Unfortunately, this specific road was not well-traversed, especially after hours. A group of boys, most likely Jen's age, slowed down to maybe five miles an hour or so, but they were just looky-loos. Eventually, just past dusk, a truck driver pulled over. Jen hopped in and vigorously shook Johnny Paxwell's hand, eager to show thankfulness to her kind transporter. 
The two introduced exchanged pleasantries and promptly assumed silence. Johnny slowly got back up to speed before he was able to sneak a glance at Jen's face. Hey, wait a second. How old are you anyway? Johnny asked gruffly. Seventeen. Shh! Johnny slammed on the brakes, veered to the side, and leaned over Jen's body to reach her passenger door, which remained just an inch or two out of his reach. What's wrong? What are you doing? Just get out, would you? Jen opened her door, took her seatbelt off, and turned to ask, Why? I don't understand. Go. I can't be seen with you. Jen took him at his word. As soon as she was out, Johnny bustled away down the road into darkness ahead. Jen was alone. It got dark, really dark, and humid. Jen walked in silence with her thumb stuck in its outstretched position. She walked well over an hour with only three or so cars that passed to show for it. She hoped that soon enough she'd get to a town and maybe find a bench to sleep on. Enter Doll Burden. Another 18-wheeler, Jen was more nervous this time. Perhaps there was some rule about truck drivers not being allowed to take underaged hop-ons. Note. The state law reads as follows from the Louisiana Revised Statutes 32-218. No person shall stand on a public roadway for the purpose of soliciting a ride, employment, or business from the occupant of any vehicle. First was the smell. The reek of bourbon and uncleanliness wafted off of Dolores. Dolores Burden at your... Jen outstretched her hand, waiting for the driver to finish her sentence. You know, they just, they just call me, they just call me doll, doll, like a toy, like a, like, like a toy doll. Hi, Miss Burden, I'm Jen. Just doll, call me, call me doll. What's... Vacant eyes. Why, why am I out on the road? That's a tricky question. I'm, uh... Jen paused, realizing she cut off doll and that maybe she had guessed wrong as to what Dahl wanted to ask. You remind me of my daughter. Jen smiled, figuring that the comment should be flattering, though she didn't particularly feel flattered to be thought of as having any resemblance to this woman. Your daughter? Is she my age? Do you believe in the Pied Piper? Uh, the Pied Piper? Like the old fairy tale? Jen wasn't sure where she had heard the old folk legend, but it was rattling around in her memory banks nonetheless. Uh, I've never thought about it. He's real, let me tell you. The weird topic would have intrigued Jen had Dahl been a less aloof conversationalist. Yep, he's real. How do you know? He took my daughter. At that, Jen's stomach dropped. She barely choked out her response. Really? At Hamlin in Germany, he took 130 children. It's true, the town. Is real. It's all real. Gut twisting and rolling, Jen's intuition told her not to question this, not to let the conversation remain. She fell into silence. Doll picked up the space all on her own. I forgot where I was, some back road like this one. I had driven all night. I happened to have overslept during the day, so I was driving extra long to make up time. Sure, I was tired, but I tell you this, I tell you. I was not boozing or on acid or pills or Mary Jane or anything, nothing. I was clean then, really. I had to be for Chloe. That's my girl, Chloe. Yeah, that's my girl, Chloe. I bet she does look like you now. Johnny Paxwell was far, far preferable to this. Why did he have to kick her out like that? Jen imagined herself a hundred miles down the road, enjoying a silent glide through the dark evening. A hundred miles closer to the sea. A hundred miles further away from this burden. Instead, here she was, stuck with crazy smell-bad lady. Doll. Doll. 
she certainly wasn't a Barbie doll. A picture of one of her old dolls fizzled into Jen's mind. It was nothing but a head, with almost all its hair ripped out and missing an eye. That's the type of doll this doll was, missing significant parts of its being. Jen's mean thought produced an involuntary chuckle. <laughs> doll took notice. What are you laughing at? Well, yeah, yeah, it was funny, I'm sure it was. If, 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 if you'd seen me then, there, dancing like there was no tomorrow. So like I said, I was driving deep into the night, out of nowhere. Out of nowhere arose this enormous campfire. It was marvelous. Campfire. Campfire. Enormous. It was marvelous. Beautiful. Exquisite. I can see it now. It started like most fires. Orange bands dancing in the breeze with blue roots leading to the undergrowth. But, but, but it changed. Flickered. And it flickered not like regular fire flickers. It flickered a flicker. Flicker, 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 flicker of color. Green. Yes. Green flickers in the center of the night orange sky. Brilliant and vivid. I wanted to be a part of it. I couldn't resist it. It was calling me. Jen imagined green fire. She visualized the flames like limbs on a tree. She had to admit the image was seducing. I pulled over and got out of the truck. I didn't say hi to anyone. I just danced. I just danced. I just danced. I just... I just danced. It was so much fun. I hadn't had fun in so long. You don't get to have fun when you've got a child at home and you're always behind the wheel. You never get time like that. You never get time like that just to have fun, to dance... Doll turned the upper half of her body towards Jen. They locked eyes. Jen was too afraid to dart her eyes elsewhere. She was trapped in the crazy lady's gaze. Now I got you. That's what the fire said to me. To all of us. You ask how many people were there with the fire? Hell, I don't know. Maybe a hundred, maybe a thousand, maybe ten, maybe five. I I could have been anyone. I could have been alone. Except that I saw others handcuffed and arrested, too. I knew then that I wasn't alone. And... And, and I wasn't the only one in that moment either. We were all alone. We were all one. One body was... <laughs> Doll coughed a wheezing, guttural cough. But still, even whilst hacking her lungs out, Doll somehow managed to keep her eyes fixed on the young girl trapped beside her. The young, attractive girl. Hand me my water bottle, would you? Happy to do anything that meant she could break from the moment, Jen grabbed a bottle from a cup holder beside her. It reeked of vodka. Doll grabbed it from her hand and took a big chug. Thanks, toots. Uh, you're welcome. We danced and danced. I ripped off all my clothes. Yeah, I was naked. I wanted to show that night. I wanted to show that night. I wanted to show that night flame everything I had. There was then a very long pause. I saw one guy writhing on the ground sometime after daybreak. A bunch of the others lay on the ground, too. When they came and took us... I went to the hospital. I had an IV drip for four days afterwards. For four days, I was just there, laying in the gurney all day with my hands cuffed to the bed. Why did they have to handcuff me? What was I going to do? The story barely made any sense. Jen's curiosity got the best of her, though. Wait, what exactly happened? How did you end up in the hospital? Oh, it was worse than all that. I did two weeks in prison before being sent to a, uh, and a, quote, adjustment center for the mentally unfit. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I sure as hell hadn't. Can you believe, can you believe, can you believe the things people make up? They fed me nothing. Nothing, that is, but butabarbidol for six weeks. Six weeks! And then six months before I was finally out of there. But it was too late by then. Too late, too late, too late. Too late. My beautiful princess was already gone? Wait, what? She She disappeared? 
I told you already, the Piper took her. That's what happened. It's been a thousand years, so you better believe he doesn't just play his little whistle or flute or kazoo or whatever anymore. He's evolved. Uh, the, the, the fire? They call it St. Vetus's Dance. You can look it up. It's historical, too, just like Hamelin. Jen audibly sighed relief. A road sign read, Lake Charles, five miles. Jen would politely get out there and be free of this witchy woman. So your daughter did disappear. People have got to read their histories. It's all there. It's all in the cards, as they like to say. You would do good for your pretty little face if you read more history. You don't know about St. Vetus's dance, do you? Uh, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. And I bet you didn't know Pied Piper was real, did you? Uh, no, ma'am. You could drop me off anywhere in St. Charles. Jen felt Dahl's eyes on her and felt like she needed to explain herself. I think I'll stay there tonight. I'm really tired. Why don't you stay with me a little while longer? You can sleep here. People say they sleep great when they're with me. You remind me of my daughter, so... I, I wouldn't be comfortable doing that, ma'am. My daughter left. You can stay. It's like an exchange. I'm not your daughter, Dahl. He had no right to take her from me! Jen tore off her buckle and squirmed to the edge of the truck, her back pressed up against the door. Her fingers felt for the handle. I'll get out, right here at this stop sign coming up. Thank you. Dahl said nothing for a moment before muttering. Just because he's her father. Please slow down. The stop sign's right there. Please slow down. Stop! Well, I'm her mother! I don't care if she's afraid of me! At 65 miles an hour, Dahl sailed through the stop sign. In the midst of the intersection, she turned to Jen and stated calmly, I don't care if you're afraid of me. Jen was silent and petrified. She counted in her head. One, two, three, four. Would she be okay if she jumped out? How hard would she hit the ground? Would Dahl follow? Would she run her over? Five. Jen, pressing against the window, wedged her body weight against the door, and suddenly, with decisive terror, kicked Dahl hard in the side. Dahl screamed and hit the brakes hard. Jen splattered against the front window and then collapsed back towards her seat. Six, seven, eight. Jen was frozen. Nine, ten, eleven. Wait. The truck has stopped. The truck has stopped. Jen squirmed around trying to get her bearings. Her head lay down towards the bottom of the door. Somehow she managed to yank the door open. She fell out like a Barbie doll, landing on her face at a 45 degree angle. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Jen got up. She looked up. Dahl sat frozen in her seat, one hand holding her bruised side in place, the other on the steering wheel. Her face remained resolute, her eyes frozen somewhere in front of her. Delirious but alive, Jen took a step, a step away from the truck, away from the dreadful woman. Was she going to suddenly chase her? Was the worst not yet over? Was she not yet safe? Was the spirit of the piper out to snatch her up? Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen... Ten paces away and the truck still remained, not moving, nothing. Jen couldn't see Dahl from her ankle. She didn't have to. She knew she was still entranced, staring at that glorious green flame in her mind. She brought her hand to her lips and touched it. Wet. She tried to look at it, but there wasn't enough light to see anything. She put her wet finger in her mouth and knew. Blood. Her face was bleeding proficiently. Eighteen, nineteen. Jen saw a light maybe half a mile off. She stumbled towards it. So tired, so scared. It's a drugstore. I'll go there. 
Hey, this is Dante Stack, creator of Solve the World, coming at you from post-Solve the Worldness. Uh, I'm recording this after having completed the whole 100-episode arc of Solve the World. And I want you to know that this podcast is not meant to be like most of the other podcasts you listen to. Most of the other stuff you listen to is meant to be the opposite of timeless, like it's here today, so you listen to it today, and then you forget about it tomorrow. Solve the World is a story, and I mean it to last a long time. So if you're just listening to this episode for the first time, you're listening to it years after I've completed this episode, um, but I would still hope that you value what you're listening to. And if you do value it, I would appreciate a tip. Maybe not today, but if you continue listening to it and you like what you're listening to, maybe sometime later. You can tip me 50 cents, a buck, 10 bucks, 100 bucks. If you're super duper rich, maybe a million bucks. Um, you can tip me using PayPal or another popular online uh, credit card, I guess you call it, is Stripe. So you can tip me using either of those two avenues. Go to DanteStack.com. That's D-A-N-T-E-S-T-A-C-K. Dot com slash tip dash jar. Go to that link and throw me a buck or two. It costs me a few hundred bucks a year to keep hosting this podcast, so your donation will help offset that cost for me. Um, if you can't remember that URL, just go to DanteStack.com and look for the tip jar icon at the top right of your screen. All right, guys, I appreciate that. All the music and sound effects you heard in this episode, along with every other episode, is appropriately attributed on my show notes page at DanteStack.com. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Hello. I'm James from the UK, and I've listened to all 100 episodes of Jen's story. After surviving the crazed driving of Dolores Burton, Jen needs refuge and a cool place to lick her wounds. She'll find both in the form of a handsome teenage philosopher next time on Solve the World.